0: Thank you for joining the Tangent Talk Podcast. My name is Luna Ma, your host. Today's episode is dedicated to the legacy of Ahmad Arbery. I'd like to read for you an excerpt from the Ahmad Arbery Foundation. You can visit the Ahmad Arbery Foundation at www.AmadArberyFoundation.org. Here's the excerpt Ahmad Arbery was just like you and me. He loved his family, he was an avid runner. And he cared deeply about his community in Brunswick, Georgia. On February 23rd, 2020, Ahmad was tragically shot and killed while he was out on a jog in his neighborhood. It continues to share that our work, the work of the Ahmad Arbery Foundation, is to honor Ahmad's legacy. We believe that black boys like Ahmad often lack resources and access to mental wellness. By aligning Ahmad's legacy, with mental wellness in our communities, we can create brighter futures and opportunities. On today's episode, special guest Dr. Brian McGregor joins us. And because of the importance of this topic, we want to make sure that you have the time to enjoy it. So we have actually provided this particular episode in two parts. Each part is roughly about 30 minutes or so. We hope that you'll enjoy. We hope that you'll engage with us on our website and provide your feedback as well as share this episode. You know, nearly two years to the date that Ahmad was murdered, his killers were sentenced to life in prison on January the 7th, 2022. This was nearly a week or two after we had recorded this episode. We here at the Tangent Talk podcast, we are still running for Ahmad. Welcome to the Tangent Talk podcast. I am your host, Luna Ma, and we're back with the last episode of season seven, episode three, Let's Live. I have a fantastic panel to introduce you to, but before I do that, since this is our last episode of the year, 2021, you all, can we just brag a little? I'd like to do a quick year in review courtesy of Spotify, who put together an amazing dashboard highlighting some of our exciting milestones over the last year. So we have listeners in six countries that listen to us the most Sweden, Canada. Singapore, the United Kingdom and Germany. So shout out to our listeners in those countries. And 40% of our fans, you, our faithful listeners, listen to us, the Tangent Talk podcast between the hours of 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. So some of you all weren't listening to those Zoom meetings. You were busy listening to us and you know what? It's okay, we won't tell anybody. And then you all, we released over 542 minutes of content because we got a lot to talk about here at the Tangent Talk. So I wanted to take this opportunity as we see 2021 close to thank you all for being a part of those amazing milestones. So, now, let's introduce you to our panel. We'll start with our guest, Dr. Brian McGregor. Dr. McGregor is an adjunct clinical assistant professor for the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Health at Morehouse School of Medicine. Dr. McGregor, we are happy to have you here today to discuss Let's Live. The subtitle? how much men or how little men prioritize mental and emotional health and how it shows up in their interpersonal relationships. Dr. McGregor, are you out there?
1: Yes, I'm here. Glad to be with you.
0: Great to have you with us. Great to have you with us. And so Ms. Starr, our most recent addition to the Tangent Talk family, are you out there? I am here. Wonderful. And Dark One, are you out there? I am here. Wonderful. And last but certainly not least, Ildris Helber, are you out there, sir? I'm here. Thank you. Wonderful. And so you guys, you're in for a treat today. Ildris Helber is going to co-host with me. Uh, we regret not having Tea off with us today, but we know that she sends her love to our listeners as well. So, Helbra, you really are the one who, you know, talked to us about this topic. And we thought, why not? Let's go ahead and conclude season seven with Let's Live. So talk to the audience, uh, Helper. Why was this an important topic?
2: I learned uh, you know, through social media that November is actually Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. And I just felt it was very wrong for me to be at the age I am and just now realizing that. And there have been some, some hot trending topics on some social media platforms about the way men, uh, specifically Black men, show up in their interpersonal relationships and how their, you know, awareness or lack of of their emotions and their mental health and their emotional well being plays into that. And based on all of the topics that we cover here on the Tangent Talk, I thought. It was very vital for us to discuss this here.
0: Couldn't agree with you more, Ildris, not just because you are our uh, you know, my co-lead today, but because it is a very important topic. And to that end, Ildris, and you guys will hear me say Idris or Helbra, his full full name is Ildris Helbra. but to that end, um, I wanted to invite Dr. McGregor on because You know, Dr. McGregor, you, of course, were recently a part of an important panel. You were a part of the Shining a Light on Mental Wellness for Black Boys. That was a discussion uh, held on December 2nd of this year, 2021, and it was facilitated by the Ahmad Arbery Foundation. Tell us a little bit about how you came to know even about this foundation and why it was important for you to sit as a panelist in that discussion.
1: Certainly. So uh, the Ahmad Arbery Foundation obviously is named after uh, a brother who was uh, tragically uh, taken from us by Uh, two gentlemen whose names I will not say, and maybe I shouldn't even call them gentlemen, but that case was in the national spotlight. It was another example of uh, a Black man being killed unjustifiably. A lot of race, class, a lot of discussions around how our bodies are policed uh, in the public sphere. And so when I when I learned about this case, I started to follow it, just like uh, many of us did. Uh, Not as closely as I should have, but definitely paid attention. So I have a colleague at the Morehouse School of Medicine who um, reached out to me and said that they were looking for panelists, and she was being intentional about uh, making sure that when they asked her to identify folks who would be, you know, good candidates for a panel, that she identified uh, men. So she reached out to me and You know, we had some conversations and I liked what they were what they were doing, Uh, had some knowledge uh, opportunities to learn about what their interests were in terms of supporting mental wellness among black boys moving forward beyond the trial. And so I said, you know, hey, this is an excellent opportunity for me to contribute some of my knowledge and expertise, not only to the panel, but to the advisory board as well. So I'm looking forward to. Um, working with them starting at the beginning of the year, but I wanted to be on the panel to, you know, just help drive the conversation around mental wellness, where what some of the uh, challenges are in terms of mental health help seeking, uh, addressing stigma, and some of the other things that we'll, we'll probably get into today. So that 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 was that's a pretty good synopsis of why I wanted to. Uh, To join the panel.
0: Thank you for that, Dr. McGregor. And, you know, I just want to tease out a little bit more um, before I I punt to my co host, Mr. Ildris. You know, um, the Maude Arbery Foundation is, of course, doing some amazing work, and I appreciate you sharing your background uh, relative to the foundation. So, for our listeners, and of course, we always post our links on our website, thetangenttalk.com. But I'd like you to, if you are listening along and wanna go ahead and punch this in, the Ahmaud Arbery Foundation can be found at www.ahmaudarberyfoundation.org, www.ahmaudarberyfoundation.org. And you know, on that website, Dr. McGregor and company, it gives a little uh, bio, if you will, on, on Ahmaud Arbery, who of course left us too soon. He was just like you and me, the website says. He loved his family. He was an avid runner. And I thought about you, Dr. McGregor, because for the uh, listeners who don't know, we actually have known each other for some time since we went to junior high school together. And I remember you being a runner yourself. So he loved his family. He was an avid runner, and he cared deeply about his community in Brunswick, Georgia. On February 23rd, 2020, Ahmad was tragically shot and killed while he was out on a jog in his neighborhood. The website goes on to say Our work to honor Ahmad's legacy continues. We believe that Black boys like Ahmad often lack resources and access to mental wellness. By aligning with Ahmad's legacy, with mental wellness in our communities, we can create brighter futures and opportunities. And I wanna just uh, call out two other items here on this, this great website. I wanna talk about the beliefs and the values of the Ahmad Arbery Foundation. So one of the beliefs that just jumped out at me was that all black boys are deserving of mental wellness. All black boys are deserving of mental wellness. And further down under the value sections, the Maud Arbery Foundation states, we believe the path to mental wellness is ongoing. So, with those two, both the beliefs and the values, and uh, since we're in a virtual studio, I'm going to share those. I'd like to just ask the panel. We'll start with my co-host, Mr. Helbra, what what are you hearing in this discussion? Because, you know, the beliefs that all Black boys, and I would include men, are deserving of mental wellness is a very strong and important statement. And then values, we believe the path to mental wellness is ongoing. What are your thoughts, and what are you hearing in this, Helbert?
2: Thank you. Um, It's a lot, and then it's pretty complex for me. I definitely believe everybody, um, not even just Black men, which I am, but, but everybody definitely deserves to have mental wellness. Of course, life's many... Events and challenges are gonna throw things to maybe ha- make us have different moods and different thoughts, but I believe everybody should be able be able to process healthily process their emotions on a day-to-day basis which we'll talk more about as a discussion and then the path to mental wellness being ongoing I, I definitely believe that as well I believe it's a never-ending one as well it's something we're always working on every day of our life or it should be
0: Thank you for that, Halbera. Let me have you weigh in as well as our other male panelists. Darkwan. what are you hearing in this in terms of the beliefs and values of the Ahmad Arbury Foundation? Darkwan?
3: Yeah, I, I kind of echo some of uh, Ildris's uh, sentiment in that I think that if, you, if we look at it from a Black man's perspective, we definitely need those resources to support our, our mental wellness. But I also think that if we're just looking at it you know, from a wider lens and we look at America, I think America, I think practically everyone in America needs mental wellness support because I think the country is in a state of trauma. That goes for Black men, white men, and, and numerous men and women of other races here in this country that is so uh, traumatized by its history. And so many people think they are mentally well. However, they are, they, you know, if you look at it in terms of how that manifests in, in the world, clearly that we are a nation that needs mental wellness support and is not mentally healthy. I think that definitely is is something that we all need here in, in this country and, and largely in numerous other countries worldwide. So there, there's a state of trauma based on the history, uh, particularly when we look at the impacts of colonialism worldwide. So right. I think it is an ongoing process.
0: Thank you globally. for that, Juan Agreed. And, and and I appreciate you punctuating that with globally. Let's go to Ms. Starr. And then I'd like uh, Dr. McGregor to wrap up with his thoughts. And again, the beliefs and values, those two in particular from the Ahmad Arbery Foundation, Ms. Starr.
4: Right. So, you know, for the beliefs, all black boys are deserving of mental wellness. There is, a particular need for black boys to get the help that they need for mental wellness um especially in terms of like they said resources are not so readily available um i'm not sure you know we can't talk about every home but you know it's like how often is that conversation had you know with parents with young black boys about their mental wellness it's a different life experience being a black boy it's something that you're, you're highly aware of and reminded every day and people May, some people may treat you differently because of their perspective of Black boys, you know, so it's like you already start off with people seeing you a certain way, regardless of how you actually are, you know, um, because this is, sometimes it's just a just base of just seeing you, <laughs> not really knowing you or even connecting with you in any 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 real way. Um, and in terms of the values, you know, saying we believe the path to mental wellness is ongoing. Dealing with mental wellness is, is a day-by-day, you know, process. It's something that you have to deal with every day. And so for Um, For them reaching out to black boys and making sure that they have the resources they need, that they have the um, education they need to be able to live that life, you know, being aware of their um, mental health and, you know, finding ways to um, be more mentally healthy. Sounds like a great, great initiative. um, And that's wonderful work that they're doing.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for that, Ms. Starr. And so hearing the discussion from the panelists, uh, Dr. McGregor, what, if anything, do you want to tease out or what would you like to add to the discussion relative to the beliefs and values of the Ahmad Arbery Foundation? Dr. McGregor.
1: Yeah, I think there were some excellent um, observations that, that the panelists made. I think, you know, all, all those things are important. Um, several things stand out to, to, to me about this. So, so one, I think that it is important framing for an organization that seeks to address the mental wellness of Black boys to have beliefs and values on their website listed so that people can see them, so that it reminds folks on the outside and also staff, volunteers, people who are working internally within the organization. It should guide the work these beliefs and values and the ones that you pointed out, the two beliefs and, and values, I think are as important as, as any that they listed. So I, I, I like that they that, that, that this is prominent and visible. I also think it it uh, acknowledges our humanity as, as human beings, we're, we're deserving of mental wellness, um, just like anybody else, just like any other group. Uh, I think it, um, it it recognizes, at least for me, that there have been barriers and challenges to Black boys striving for mental health, uh, mental wellness, and centering mental wellness in their lives. And then finally, I think it, it signals that there's diversity, uh, particularly when I see that word all. You know, so there's diversity among Black boys. You know, black boys are not a monolith no more than any other group. So all Black boys are deserving of mental wellness, regardless of you know, things like ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic status geographical location, urban, rural, all of those different identifiers, wherever we are, we deserve mental wellness.
0: I really love Dr. McGregor. Thank you for your share. I really love that you talked about all signifies diversity and you're right, because in some pockets of society, and I'd love to hear from the panelists, some could argue that mental wellness and the ability to have a therapist or have counseling sessions or even access to therapy and counseling is considered um, a privilege, right? Instead of it being something, as you also stated, that is that, that we're all deserving of. So I really appreciate that you shared that. Let me hear from the panel is that, has that been a misunderstanding in the black and brown communities that access to mental health is a privilege or something that is on the contrary inaccessible to others?
2: Let me hear from the panel. I've heard it being discussed in my growing up as not more so being something that is a privilege, but something that, um, is a stigma or something that is a negative it has a lot of negative connotation to it if you are somebody that is seeking professional help with your mental and emotional well-being
0: absolutely so you bring up a good point helper you're saying it's not so much it being considered a privilege it's almost considered as um, something that is a, will stigmatize that person oh you're you're getting therapy what's wrong with you has that been your experience dark one Ms. Starr? Dr. McGregor, talk to me.
3: It's definitely not something that's that's viewed in a positive light generally. Uh, if you if you need a therapist, there's got to be something wrong with you. Or if you, you know, if you're seeking out that sort of support, uh, people don't necessarily look at it like, oh, well, they're doing something that is, let's say, positively or or generally even neutrally looked on as a, a resource that people should be calling on. Um, I'm not sure if that's that's. Uh, Exclusive to our diaspora though, I think in general, seeking me, uh, reinforcement for your mental health isn't necessarily looked at in a positive light overall. So uh, yeah, that is something I've experienced. As far as it being a a privilege, a privileged resource, I think that people really don't necessarily think about it in that context. However, it's something that is kind of like people say, um, you know, these are, uh, first world problems where you have to be in a certain, generally speaking, a certain state of being to to really prioritize those sort of things, or or at least that's kind of what it looks like. Like most of the people who prioritize their mental health uh, either are in a position where they absolutely need it or they have enough room to breathe where they can really think about that sort of
0: thing. That's well said. Let's round out that discussion and then I'm going to go ahead and punt it to Helbra, the co-host for today to step us through the rest of our discussion, Ms. Starr.
4: Right, so I, I do think that mental health some in some cases can be considered like something of privilege. Um, it does cost money. Uh, I mean, of course, of course, there are some free services as well. I know that when I moved to LA, I felt like it was actually more of the cool thing. <laughs> you know, I felt like most people had therapists. So it actually to me was like normalized um, in that kind of atmosphere and in terms of it being dismissed and seen as a stigma absolutely i think a lot of times people say well i'm not crazy i don't i don't need that help i'm not crazy i think sometimes they think that that type of help and getting counseling is for rich people who have you know issues sometimes or people who are just you know severely mentally ill when in, in some cases it's just helping you to deal with everyday life and it doesn't necessarily have to be so extreme but in terms of the values like people have to value it too value it as well. I think sometimes if you're unfamiliar with it, and maybe especially in the Black community, you may not really value it. You may say, well, give, give my money to these people for what? What are they going to do for me? They can't help me. They can't solve my problems." You know. So I think that that can be some thoughts that can surround um, the topic of mental health in, in the Black community. Yeah, that's my thoughts on that.
0: Well, and, I, and I, I appreciate what you shared towards the end there. What can this therapist do for me? Because, and, and we can get into this as we move through the uh, second second half of our, our program today but I, you know one of the things that comes comes to mind is this notion that especially when we talk about spirituality within the black and brown communities it's like wait a minute I don't need a therapist I've got God right I don't need a therapist I've got Jesus I don't need a therapist I have mm-hmm. fill it fill in the blank when it comes to mm-hmm. the right. person yeah. that provides spiritual insight so so helper I want to go ahead and and punt to you to uh, step us through and I'll, I'll be here to, to anchor and uh let's 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 have a deeper dive in, into this discussion and again we said we wanted to center this around how little or much men prioritize their mental emotional health and how that shows up in their interpersonal relationships now we know interpersonal is you know how it shows up on the on the uh, on the job site how it shows up um in, in the community, how it shows up in romantic relationships. Naturally, here at the Tangent Talk, Dr. Brian McGregor, we love to talk about romantic relationships. We're talking about interpersonal relationships. So, Helbra, I'll go ahead and punt to you.
2: Thank you, Luna Ma. I feel it's important for us to first start this conversation just by defining, in our own words, of course, what exactly is mental well-being and emotional well-being. So I want to first have the ladies speak and then... I have Darquan, and then myself, and then Dr. McGregor, you being the expert, you anchor us. So let's start with you, Norma. What do you define mental and emotional well-being as being?
0: Oh, wow. You know, I haven't really allowed myself to be with it because it can be so broad. But I I will say I'm going to only answer on the emotional side, and, and, and that's for a reason. So I've been dealing with my own emotional health right? Just in a moment of vulnerability here over the last 18 months. And mm-hmm. what I've gotten present to Helbra and team is that I need to be as authentic with myself as possible. So instead of approaching my emotional health from a perspective of, well, what would people want to see? You know, people know me as uh upbeat and, and jovial, but I was going through a lot over the last 18 months, like many of us were, right? So I was dealing with a matter of the heart, a breakup, and it was hard. It was very hard. And I found myself trying to be on, like, I'm happy, I'm great. It, and the you know internal dialogue was like, no, you're not, you're a hot mess. And so for me, emotional health is allowing myself to be authentic, not being overly happy when I'm not feeling that way, but also not allowing myself to hit rock bottom such that there is no hope. One of the things that I pride myself on is having buoyancy. No matter how hard it gets, how hard I fall, I'm going to, if I can quote Jay-Z, bounce back like round balls, okay? But emotional health to me, Helbra, means being authentic in what it is I am dealing with. How am I sorting my emotions? If I'm feeling sad, I'm going to be honest about that. If I'm feeling happy, of course, it's going to show. Authenticity for me is what emotional health looks like. Thanks for the question.
2: Yeah, it's a great answer. And I think we're all always dealing with our you know, emotional well-being. It's not just you and it's not just a specific... Period. I, I, in my opinion, I think it's something that everybody's dealing with. You know, like I said, every day, live. So let's kick it back to you, Ms. Star.
4: So I think about emotional health. I think about um, emotional intelligence too. And in terms of uh, emotional health, I would just say, you know, being able to check your thermostat sometimes, or, or your thermometer, <laughs> or your meter. You know, whatever, you, whatever you want to call it. But being aware of where you are currently. You know, your emotional state, like, okay, do I need some help or, you know, am I going through some things? You know, what's going on in my life and how is it impacting me? Um, And how do I need to respond to certain things? So, in terms of emotional intelligence, I think of, you know, being aware of your emotional state, being aware of some things that trigger you or are triggering you. And then thinking in terms of, you know, your interpersonal relationships, like, how are they impacting how I deal with other people? And let me pay attention to, how what I'm feeling can be you know pushed off on other people or you know I could be treating people differently because I'm in a certain state and so it's like okay well I need to deal with some of my own personal things so that I can communicate effectively in a healthy manner with the other people that I have to deal with in the world and in life yeah I would say I would say awareness like you have to be aware and you have to be able to point things out and say, okay, this connects to this so that, you know, you can work on things and and get better in terms of having better emotional health.
2: That's that's a great answer as well. And I can touch a little bit more on that when, um, I give my definition, but before that, we're going to go to you, Brother Dark Juan.
3: I think I think all, all of those points that were just made by the other panelists are are great points, and I definitely think that uh, awareness is uh, one fundamental aspect of having emotional mental health. Uh, I think that understanding the environment that you are. Attempting or working to be healthy in is important. Uh, I think that if we were in a healthy environment, it would be much easier to be emotionally or mentally healthy. I think uh, we we really need to consider the health of our environment first and foremost to understand the, the 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 you know the materials, the world that we're working with. I think awareness is paramount as well. Uh, we have to understand where we are emotionally or mentally in order to uh, to address that state whether that's reinforce what's working well or address what isn't working well it's kind of like coming out of you know that denial stage that we are actually mentally healthy if we are not i do think that you know especially when we talk about as as black men or black people in this country we have a challenge being emotionally and mentally healthy because we have external forces that are working against us as well what a as well as whatever internal forces we put on ourselves to, to deal with the world that we're in. Yeah, I think it, it's, um, it is about self-awareness and that awareness of how our behavior impacts us and impacts our environment, and then also how our environment impacts us. And then, yeah, and then just being intuitive or, um, let's see, um, effective at changing our mental and emotional state to a
2: healthier state, Dark Juan You you worded what I was thinking, but I think you worded it better than I would have. And I was going to start with you know my definition, just based on the vocabulary. You know, mental and emotional wellness and well being and intelligence for me, it's all one and the same. Uh, Dr. McGregor, you can uh, differentiate that or add to it when you know after I'm finished. Please, I'd love you to. But I uh, say more so with what you said, Ms. Starr, Which is really just being aware. Nobody's going to be perfect because we're all human and we all have emotions. We all have different things that affect our emotions, but just simply being aware of what is going on in your space, um, how it's affecting you and how how you're feeling is affecting, you know, your interaction with the world around you. For an example, you know, I could. Uh, be about to. I could be an NFL player about to play in the Super Bowl, and I think it would be much healthier to say, you know, this is my first Super Bowl. I made it this far. This is the furthest I've been. This is the biggest game of my career, and I'm nervous. But this is how I'm going to deal with my being nervous and use it as a strength going into the game, as opposed to being arrogant or being cocky or pretending you're not nervous when you really are. So it kind of goes back to what you said, Luna, and that's, you know, complete being completely authentic about what it is you're really feeling and what's really in your space. So with that being said, Dr. McGregor, I'll let you give your take on this. Thanks.
1: No, I don't. Y'all got it. Y'all y'all don't need me. This was excellent. <laughs> y'all said everything. <laughs> Great. It was awesome. I appreciate it. Listening to I mean, it, it it just feels like you all have, have thought about this. You're drawn from your own experiences and, you know, maybe some others, friends and family and just kind of observing what's happening in our community. And that's, that's, that's awesome. I'm going to answer this question similarly to the way I answered it during the um. The panel, Luna, you may remember uh, it was a similar question asked about mental wellness, emotional intelligence. And what I offered was uh, it's being able to to love, to learn, to work, to build, to dream, to create, to play, to worship, uh, to heal, uh, and having the, the psychological, emotional, social, and environmental resources to do all of those things. I love what Darquan said about being aware and understanding the environment that you are in. So many of the environments that Black boys have to to do those activities in are not supportive of our mental health. They threaten our mental wellness. It's being able to to laugh when something is funny and not feeling like you have to when it isn't. Being able to cry when, when we're hurting. Um, being able to give and receive a hug and knowing when you need one, understanding what your boundaries are and need to be and and, and enforcing them when necessary., uh, Luna, you talked about the, uh, the 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 buoyance. I think about that as resilience. It, there's just so much to being emotionally intelligent. I think it's it's rarely a a place where we feel like we arrive. It's a journey. Um, But I do think we we can take stock and look at some of these things that all of us have mentioned to sort of check in with ourselves, check that thermostat, like Ms. Starr said.